and welcome to another episode of Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. I'm your host, Sig Daddy, and today it's my Extreme Rules 2017 pay-per-view review. But before I get to that, I'd like to let you know about what content is coming to you here soon. First off, coming up tomorrow, if you're listening to this on Saturday, tomorrow it's NXT TakeOver in your house, and I'm looking forward to it. Should be interesting. It should be pretty good because NXT TakeOvers, nine times, nine and a half times out of ten, do deliver. The match card goes like this. Tommaso Ciampa versus Karrion Cross with Scarlett in a singles match. So that's Karrion Cross's pay-per-view debut for NXT. Uh, we got the triple threat. Charlotte Flair defending her NXT Women's Championship against Rhea Ripley and Io Shirai. Finn Balor versus Damian Priest. Keith Lee taking on Johnny Gargano, which that should be an absolute banger. Also on the card, Mia Yim, Shotzi Blackheart, and Tegan Knox taking on Candice LeRae, Dakota Kai, and Raquel Gonzalez in six women tag team action. And then we'll see Adam Cole who has had a stranglehold on the NXT World Championship. We'll see if he holds on to it for a little bit longer. He is taking on the Velveteen Dream, defending that NXT World Championship, well, the NXT Championship, in a last-chance backlot brawl. And the stipulation is if Velveteen Dream loses, he can no longer challenge for the NXT Championship while Adam Cole is champion. We'll see what happens there. I'm looking forward to it. Hope you're looking forward to it. Also, uh, I'll have that review up either Sunday night or early Monday. Also, coming up next week for my retro pay-per-view review, it will be ECW One Night Stand 2005. That is where Lance Storm took on Chris Jericho. It was There was a three-way dance with Super Crazy, Little Guido, and Tajiri. Rey Mysterio took on Psychosis. Sabu took on Rhino. Chris Benoit against Eddie Guerrero. Mike Awesome versus Masato Tanaka. And the Dudley Boys taking on Tommy Dreamer and the Sandman in tag team action. Plenty of stuff coming to you here soon on the podcast. Saturday, I'll be up next week for you all. But let's get this thing going. Let's get this thing going. It's ECW, not ECW, but WWE Extreme Rules 2017. This was back when uh, they had uh, brand-exclusive pay-per-views. They started doing that kind of thing again. Things started back in 2016. I'll just let you know what the kickoff match was. It was Kalisto against Apollo Crews, and Kalisto defeated Apollo Crews on the uh, kickoff show. But uh, this took place at Royal Farms Arena June 4th, 2017, and had 11,769 in attendance. And the kickoff to this show was The Miz versus Dean Ambrose, and Dean Ambrose defending his intercontinental championship and the stipulation was if dean gets disqualified he will lose the intercontinental title but it'll give you a little background on that before i really dive into it um this was the first of actually the first of six matches 
on the main card for e, uh, not ECW, but WWE Extreme Rules 2017. Uh, Miz was going for his seventh IC title reign here. And like I said, if Ambrose got disqualified, Miz would win the title. And kind of a little bit of the story heading into this was when Miz held the title, he made it prestigious and felt like he made it the most prestigious title in the company, which honestly, the Intercontinental Championship at that point, it did feel important when Miz had it because he made it relevant, delivering great promos, really good matches. Miz as IC champion is pretty much money. You can bet on it any day. It's good. Uh, Ambrose won it from him. Um, it was January 3rd, 2017 when he beat Miz for the IC title. He's held it ever since. 152 days, and that was the longest title reign of any current champion at the time. And I thought this match was pretty enjoyable. I really I liked this match a lot. I thought this was a lot better than... I watched this, I think. I watched this show back when it happened, back in 2017. But I didn't remember this match being as good as it was. I thought this was a really good opener. The crowd seemed to be really into it. They got 20 minutes in this match. And really, it was... Maurice was the, was the ace for Miz here. Because late in the match... Uh, it was uh, Ambrose countering a skull-crushing skull crushing finale into a roll-up pin, and then Miz kicked out. Miz hit a punch, but then Ambrose rebounded into his big clothesline. Maurice was there to distract the official, and they almost run into her, but then Miz tells the official to slap her. Not, not the official, but tells Maurice to slap her, and... Uh, maybe cause the DQ because if Maurice slaps her, slaps Miz, that means there's going to be a disqualification and Ambrose will, since Miz got hit, Ambrose will be awarded the title. And I thought that was a pretty smart room, but the ref then kicks Maurice out. Ambrose gets a roll up and almost gets it done, but Maurice comes back before she officially leaves the ringside area, distracts the ref, and Miz throws Ambrose into the ref and the ref is getting ready to DQ Ambrose. Ambrose doesn't want that. and But then while Ambrose is distracted by the official, Miz hits the skull-crushing finale as he's distracted and gets the win and wins his seventh Intercontinental Championship. I really enjoyed this match. I thought this was a very good opener. And I don't know. Miz, chicken blank, heel, Miz. This is chicken blank, Miz at his best. I thought this was very smartly worked. Very good match. They used that stipulation very well of Dean Ambrose getting a little too aggressive at times and possibly getting disqualified. They teased that a couple times earlier on, and it was really what costed Ambrose this match was being too worried about getting DQ'd, and like I said, it costed him, and Miz won the Intercontinental Championship. Very good opener, and I didn't remember, like I said, I didn't remember this being this good from... Uh, my first watch. But I'm going to give this a B plus good opener. After that, we get a Money in the Bank preview. Charlie Caruso is joined by Bailey, and it's a rematch for the Raw Women's title. They're talking about that where Bailey lost her title in her hometown at Payback just a month prior. And the question coming into this was can Bailey get extreme? And Bailey's pretty much tells Charlie that Alexa doesn't know me. 
and she's ready to get extreme, yada, yada, yada. She's watched tape on Tommy Dreamer, Sandman, and even Steve Blackman to get herself prepared for this match. And she was inspired by the movie Wonder Woman, which had just come out, I think, at that time. And she's also here to inspire, and she's going to do whatever it takes to win the title tonight. After that, we get a little nice change of pace. It's Rich Swan and Sasha Banks versus Alicia Fox and Noam Dar. And uh, I forgot, Noam Dar and Alicia Fox were actually a couple at this time, well, on storyline-wise. Um, two weeks prior to set up this match, uh, Sasha defeated Fox, then Banks slapped Noam Dar, and then Fox attacked, Fox attacked Banks from behind and hit a scissor kick on her. And Rich, Rich Swan is the hometown guy since this is in Baltimore, which I forgot to note earlier, Royal Farms Arena was also the home to AEW Full Gear that happened back in November of last year. And I thought this was a nice change of pace. It only went about six and a half minutes here. And late in the match, Dar gets a roll-through cover. They trade strikes. After Dar hits an uppercut, Swan hits Dar with a spitting back kick. And it's an ugly tussle between Banks and Fox. Swan gets thrown into the barricade. Banks, it's a top rope meteora on Dar on the outside. It was a pretty good uh, meteora. Then Swan throws Dar back in the ring, hits his Phoenix Splash, and that's it. Banks and Rich Rich Swan are victorious. Um, I thought this was all right. I think this was a nice change of pace. The crowd was a little tired from that last match because match went 20 minutes, and I thought they had a pretty hot crowd after that first match, so... I thought this was a nice way to get Swan on the card. And it easily could have been done on Raw, but it's nice to give the hometown guy a chance to shine. And I thought this was a nice change of pace from the first match. I'm going to give it a C plus. Nothing offensive here. Nothing bad. I thought it was perfectly fine where it was. Uh, then we get, in a, get a performance. If you remember at this time, Elias was... Pretty much brand new to the main roster, and he was Elias Sampson at the time. And this is probably the first one time that uh, I thought about this, but when I was watching it. But this is probably the one time where taking someone's taking someone's last name away actually works. Elias is so much better sounding than Elias Sampson, but he wrote a song about Baltimore, and he. Sings about the upcoming five-way match. He doesn't get interrupted like we have come grown accustomed to uh, on these uh, with these Elias performances. After that, it was the Alexa Bliss, Alexa Bliss defending her Raw Women's Championship against Bailey in a kendo stick on a pull match, and. The main story, like I said, I, like I possibly said earlier, I think, uh, Bailey can Bailey get extreme, which is absolutely obnoxious and stupid. I thought, uh, I just thought this was a terrible story heading into this match. We also this is also the time, if you remember right, this was the Alexa Bliss's uh, Alexa Bliss did a Bailey, this is your life thing, and it was horrible. So horrible that they deleted it from... They'd even post it on YouTube the day after Raw. It was that bad. And that cringe. And this was kind of the time where Bailey 
the fans really turned on Bailey because they kind of just stripped what made the Bailey character so good in NXT. It just made her some cheesy little kid, which was not, I don't know. It, It just seemed like she couldn't get aggressive or something, and it was just weird, and I don't know why. It made her seem like a child and looked like a complete dork, just complete dork. And early on in this match, it was really... I thought this was really dumb because they Bliss acted like she was going to give Bailey a free run at the kendo stick, which was I don't know why she even fell for it. Um, it was that was not very not very good way to start the match. Uh, but oh, I forgot to mention this too. Bailey Bailey's reaction was very mixed. Like, very mixed when she got introduced. Alexa Bliss actually got cheered. Like, it was... uh, This was bad. This was bad at this point, and... The match started with that, with a free run at the stick. And at one point, they're fighting on top the top rope. They knock each other down, and the stick is laying in the middle of the ring, and... Uh, Bailey then would drive her into the barricade and a belly-to-back suplex on the floor by Bailey gives her the opportunity to grab the stick and she chases Bliss around with the stick, the kendo stick, and misses. Well, chases her around the ring and Bailey actually gets her cornered, and but she looks at the kendo stick like a doof and Bliss spears her out, spears it out of her hand. Bliss grabs it and pegs Bailey in the back with it a couple times. Bailey gets one hope spot here where she hits the Bailey to belly. And that's about it. But she can't even cover off that. So Bliss then grabs the stick again. And Bliss sets the stick in the corner. Bailey rolls Bliss away from it. And Bailey goes for the stick. Bliss pu- Bliss pushes Bailey headfirst into the stick. And Bliss hits her in the back with it, and with the stick again, and DDT. That's it. I had to go. It was not much of a match. I just I went through the whole thing. Not normally I don't go through the whole thing. I normally just go through the closing sequence. But this was pretty dumb. I it was easy to go through this, but I just this match was bad. This match was really bad. Bliss literally got all in the all the kendo stick shots in. Bailey got did not get one. It was bad. There was no real flow to it. I This was not as bad as I initially thought it was, but it was still horrible. Five minutes and ten seconds. And it was a complete waste of time, really, because the story was Bailey's not going to be, can't be aggressive, and the story stayed the same. She couldn't be aggressive. She couldn't even get a kendo stick shot in. And... This looked like made her look like a dork, and this was just the sign of the time. This was just the times. This was bad times for Bailey because her booking was grade A, awful. And the only thing that saved this match from getting an F was there was not any major botches or any botches really. So I'm going to give it a D grade, bad, just bad. If you watch, if you don't watch, if you watch the show. 
just avoid this match completely, skip over it, because stuff following it is much, much better. Because we up next we had the bar. Same Sheamus and Cesaro taking on the Hardy Boys, Matt and Jeff for the Raw Tag Team Championships. Um, Matt and Jeff won it at WrestleMania after being a surprise entrant in the Fatal 4-Way ladder match, which got a got an absolutely huge pop. I remember it vividly because I fangirled out. I fangirled out. I freaked out when they were introduced as the fourth entrant in that Fatal 4-Way ladder match. You just became a child again. It was a nice little nostalgia run. We got with the Hardys with the Raw Tag Team Championships. And five weeks prior at Payback, that was after that was the pay-per-view after WrestleMania. The Hardys were able to retain their titles after defeating Sheamus and Cesaro. And but post-match, Sheamus and Cesaro turned heel by attacking both the Hardys. And in this cage match, this was a cage match, actually. And the only way to win this was both team members escaping with both feet touching the floor. I'd rather have cage matches with pinfalls instead of um, escaping the cage. But they play played in here. I just I don't understand the logic behind cage matches with it just being an escape. Well, especially tag team wise, because you look at it, tag teams. Oh, you should might as well just let the one person out because it'll be a two-on-one and easy win, pretty much. But there's no logic behind that, and they always end up going, "Oh, the one guy's getting out. Well, we're gonna get him out. We gotta keep him in the match. We instead of having a two-on-one advantage, it'll be still be two-on-two." It just never made any sense to me like that. But still, this was a pretty enjoyable cage match. Uh, Sheamus and Cesaro tried to get escape early i liked that part i like that part of this match i thought this was a pretty good cage match pretty fun cage match it reminded me a lot of unforgiven 2000 where uh, the hardys took on edge and christian and it was jeff trying to get out jeff got out on kind of accident almost or i don't know he got out of the match but then it was a two-on-one advantage on matt and jeff had to fight his way back into the ring it's the same kind of story here. Jeff gets back into the match with a whisper in the wind late late in the match, but uh, Matt's trying to drag Jeff out. While Matt's trying to drag Jeff out, Sheamus and Cesaro are climbing over the top. Sheamus and Cesaro beat Jeff, Matt, Matt and Jeff, out of the cage, and they win the Raw Tag Team Championships. I thought this was a solid cage match aside from the... the the weird escape thing, the weird escape, weird just being an escape match or whatever. I it's fine, but I also I really liked the callbacks uh, to the Hardys cage match with Edge and Christian and Jeff doing what he does—a crazy whisper in the wind off the top of the cage. Except this was in the corner this time. I liked it how they I almost did some fan service there. By if you have you if you've been watching it for this long, you remember that cage match. But yeah, I thought this was fine. I thought this was good. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I'm gonna give it a B grade. Um, I thought this was fine as it was. 
enjoyable cage match. After that, the Hardys would lose again to Sheamus and Cesaro in a steel kit, not steel cage, but a 30-minute tag team Iron Man match. The first of its kind, I'm pretty sure. But yep, solid cage match, B grade for me. And then after that, we get the king of the cruiserweights, Neville, defending the cruiserweight championship against Austin Aries in a submission match. And I thought this had some really good psychology in it. They worked Aries' knee early. Neville actually, the week prior, injured Aries' knee. But they did the knee stuff for a little bit, and then they switched after Aries hurt his arm, uh, getting knocked off, uh, getting knocked off the apron, I think. And they went to arm work, and I liked this match. I liked this match probably more than others. I liked the psychology to it. The crowd probably wasn't all that into it, but I enjoyed it. I like psychological wrestling matches where they focus on a body part, focus on a limb, and I don't know. The fall, the late. But late in the match, it was uh, Aries getting a last chancery in on Neville. And Neville actually got out. He rolled out of the ring, but Aries still had the last chancery hooked on. And then Neville tapped out outside the ring. And then uh, Aries missed with a low pay. Neville ducked. And then Aries, not Aries, but Neville got... Aries back into the ring, hit the black arrow, and finished it off with the Brutalizer. They called it the Rings of Saturn because it was originally the Rings of Saturn, but now it's called the Brutalizer. He got it in on Aries, and Aries tapped, and I thought this was fine. I thought this was fun. I thought this was a pretty good match, and like I said, good psychology, and I didn't mind them switching the body parts. It was... I thought it was fine. I thought it was interesting, a different look on a submission match than I usually get and very enjoyable submission match, B-plus grade for me. But after that, we get the main event. The main event, the fatal five-way extreme rules match to determine the number one contender for the WWE Universal Championship. It was Samoa Joe taking on Bray Wyatt, taking on Finn Balor, taking on Roman Reigns, and Seth Rollins. And really, you look at this match. You look at the you look at the talent in the match, and a lot of these guys had a chance. Realistically, Bray just lost the title at Mania. Finn never got his rematch for his uh, Universal title that he was stripped of due to being injured when he won it initially back in 2016. And Roman was Roman, and Seth just had come off come off a huge Mania victory against Triple H, and he was also the one that cashed in the money in the bank on, well, it was in the Roman Reigns-Brock Lesnar WWE Championship match at WrestleMania 31, the heist of the century, as they like to call it. And really, you think, well, you look at the, you look at Joe. Joe was the outsider coming into this match. Joe, everybody but Joe had held WWE World Championships prior to this. And this match was very fun to watch. You got Joe... And Wyatt working together for a while before Joe, uh, well, Wyatt turns on Samoa Joe. Y'all know that was going to happen in a fatal five-way match. And the last five minutes of this were freaking awesome. Because here's what, here's what it came down to. 
Rollins at one time hits a actually let's just go let's get some let's get some big moments actually in first but Roman hits a spear on both Samoa Joe and Finn Balor through the barricade Seth Rollins hits a frog splash on Bray Wyatt on the outside on the on the announce table that was probably with 10 minutes or so left in the match but the last five minutes is where stuff gets really good because it's Rollins fighting against Reigns he goes for his Phoenix Splash. Rollins has already hit in a couple big moves. He hit a Frog Splash on Reigns. Reigns kicked out of that. He went for a Phoenix Splash. Reigns rolled away. Rollins runs into runs into Wyatt, who catches him for Sister Abigail. Stops Reigns before he spears him. Goes for Sister Abigail. Reigns then counters. Hits the ropes a couple of times and hits a spear. On Wyatt. Moments later, Rollins hits a buckle bomb. Reigns rebounds into a Superman punch, which knocks Rollins out of the ring. Then Balor comes back. He eats a Superman punch. And then Reigns goes for the spear on Finn, but Finn counters it into a sling blade, drop kicks Reigns into the corner, hits the coup de gras, and Joe pulls Balor off the cover right before he gets the three counter. It was maybe at the one or two count. But Joe pulls him off, puts in the Kikina clutch, and Balor passes out. The referee knocks his hand, Balor's hand up, and that's it. And this was a very fun main event. Joe came off as a badass in this. Everyone looked good. Everyone got their stuff in. And I thought this was a really nice surprise with Joe winning the match. And the final five minutes of it, like I said, that was straight fire and I love the dissension between Joe and Wyatt during this match there was a nice tease with Balor almost getting his shot back at the Universal Championship but Joe thwarted that and we got swerved with Joe choking Balor out and I thought this was a very fun match I'm gonna give it an A minus I just want my one minor complaint with this match was they could have played up to the stipulation a little bit more because it was an extreme rules match, but they only really used the steel steps and a chair. They could have used a little more weaponry in this match. I think that would have gotten a higher grade from me on this, but it's a little minor complaint, but I still enjoyed the heck out of this match and i definitely go check this back out because this match almost goes 30 minutes. Everybody gets to shine. Heck of a fatal five-way. And Joe would get the shot at Brock Lesnar at Great Balls of Fire and would lose against Brock. But the story leading up to the Joe-Brock match was very good. I thought Joe looked like a badass, but still, this main event was very good at Extreme Rules. A-minus grade from me. And the overall grade for the show is a B. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I really miss the days where these pay-per-views were under three hours, which they kind of, I think they've kind of had been, have been recently, but I have enjoyed it. It was under three hours. It was an easier watch. And it's one of the best shows I've watched so far of these retro pay-per-view reviews. Five-Way was great. You had two other really good matches with Ambrose and Miz and also Neville and uh, Austin Aries. I, the only black mark on this one 
was definitely the Bliss and Bailey match. I would definitely steer away from that match if you want to watch this show back. This is three years since it's taken place. It was back what took place on June 4th, 2017. Yeah, so it's just three, uh, three years ago, a couple days ago, but... Still, I would definitely recommend go and check this show out, especially for the Fatal 5-Way match. I hope you enjoyed that Extreme Rules 2017 pay-per-view review. Like I said earlier, it's going to be one night stand coming up next week for the Retro Pay-Per-View review, so be ready for that. And coming up either Sunday night or Monday morning will be my NXT TakeOver in your house pay-per-view review. Plenty of great content coming to you here soon on Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. If you haven't already, subscribe to my podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, and other podcasting platforms. And make sure to follow me on Twitter, Facebook, at SigDaddyWrestle, and on Instagram, at SigDaddy.Wrestle. Until next time, this is SigDaddy signing off, thanking you all for listening, and so long, everybody.